Some of the topics discussed on Blackbird, an advocacy podcast, are difficult to hear. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome to episode 10. Woo! We made it. That's, that's, a, that's a big number. Yeah. Episode 10. It's a huge number. Yeah. We have, yeah. Well, I mean, we've done other episodes, but this is like our real, like, 10th, like, real episode. Yeah. Yeah, total recordings were at, like, 15. Bro, we have five uh, We have five minisodes, and we have the special topics, so uh, 16. 16 recordings, yeah. 10 full episodes. Yeah. That's like a whole Netflix season. That's more than yeah, a Netflix right? season. Yeah, right? <laughs> so, yeah, we're, uh, this is a big, this is a big number. Yeah. Um, well, as always, uh, I am your host, Sarah, and of course, I am here with my lovely co-host, Dan. Good and talk. Sweet. German today. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as you know, Dan hasn't been with me for the past couple of minisodes, but he, uh, he does like to help me out on the, uh, the full length episodes. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's sometimes the voice of reason because I get a little, (laughs) I get a little, uh, passionate, overly passionate about (laughs) some of these cases. Well, I'm the, I'm the unbiased third party. I don't, I don't do the research like she does. So I don't have a chance to build up a little bit of a, of, of a bias. You know yeah, yeah, I mean? yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't yeah. have a chance to build a little bit of a preconception about it. I'm, right. I'm coming into this with a fresh set of eyes. Yeah, so. yeah. Yeah, most of the time Dan doesn't even know. Like, he knows what the story is going to be that we're going to talk about. I'll tell him beforehand, but he doesn't really know the details. Um, so he does come into this fairly blind. He, he learns about it pretty much like when you guys are. Yep, yep. <laughs> so, uh... So let's get into it. Let's do it. All right. So in episode two, uh, Dan and I brought to you the story of Shannon Gilbert and the Gilgo Four. This case revolved around the disappearances and demises of many women in the sex industry whose remains were found along Ocean Parkway on Long Island. Since January of this year, uh, 2020, a lot of progress has been made in the case, and so today's episode will revolve around the many updates that have come from the continued investigation. And this is episode 10, as mentioned, so uh, we've reached our, our full, true double digits of regular episodes, and what better way would there be than to bring you an episode dedicated to one of my favorite cases? Yeah, so, one that kind of hits home. Exactly, exactly. Um, so if you haven't listened to episode two, we advise that you do so before listening to this episode. Um, but we're going to give you a little review, um, about the case. So on May 1st, 2010, Shannon Gilbert made a harrowing 911 call to the Suffolk police. According to police, she could be heard screaming, they're trying to kill me as she was running frantically from neighbor to neighbor in Oak Beach, Long Island. Upon their search for Shannon, the police discovered the remains of several other women, including the Gilgo Four. Um, One man they dubbed uh, Asian male, and one child who was a toddler who they believed to be the child of one of the other um, unidentified remains that they found. Um, And they were all buried along the beach. Among the bodies found was who the police had named Jane Doe number six. Shannon's remains would not be found until December 13th, 2011, a year and a half after her disappearance. 
The police investigation grew cold, and they attributed Shannon's death to her having succumbed to the elements. She was found in a marshy area, and it was very cold that night, and they believed that she just couldn't get out of the marsh and ended up passing away um, due to uh, hypothermia. Yeah, I mean, that's that's rough country. Like, you can you yes. can take a perfectly normal person, a healthy, average adult in a normal state of mind, and they can still die in marshland, swampland. Like, you can get stuck. Yeah. You can asphyxiate from the methane gas that's just coming up from the rotting stuff. Like, I mean, it's not a good place to be. We even talked about in, in that previous episode how difficult it was to even investigate that area, to search that area. They had to get special equipment in yep. because they can't just go in on foot because of how... Yep. Um, thick it is. Yep. So it, it definitely, um, it definitely could have happened, but for most people, and me included, we, we don't believe that she, uh, died accidentally. No. I, I do believe that she was part of this, um, whole serial killer. Um, oh yeah, for sure. Uh, case. There's too much evidence to the contrary. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, so as for the other bodies, um, the police had attributed that to the Long Island serial killer. So it's now 2020, and it's 10 years since Shannon's 911 call. And wow. that's crazy to me because I remember... I was just thinking that. When wow. the news broke that this woman disappeared and they were finding all these bodies. So... To think that that was 10 years ago yeah, already? That's, man, we're gold. That's old. crazy to me. Yeah, I feel like it was not even remotely no. that long ago. No, So, there are a few updates that have come out this year. And I'm actually going to start with um, the one that is, to me, the least important. <laughs> um, it was in... January that the police had gone to the media and said, you know, we're going to have a case update. It's been years since we've had any sort of update. This is going to be breaking news. Everyone was like, you know, at the edge of their seats waiting for this update to come. And it was kind of like, oh, <laughs> like the update came and we were just kind of like, that was what you made us wait for. Wait that was the so that was what the anticipation was building right. up to. So basically, what had happened is um, the current police commissioner, Geraldine Hart, presented the public with a piece of evidence that had been recovered from one of the sites of the Lisk victims. So they actually found it back when they were searching and found these bodies. So the, this this was a piece of evidence that they had for. 10-ish years. Right. And they were just now coming forward with this evidence because they had been able to find out more about it. It was a belt with the letters HM or WH on it. So depending on which way you flipped it, it could be either an M or a W. Um, and they're not 100% sure which way it's supposed to be. Right. Um, I will post the picture of it so you can see both ways. Um, but it's like a brownish belt, I think. Um, it looks brown, and then it has this white lettering on it. So it could be the initials of the 
person who owned the belt. It could be a manufacturer. It could be like right. H&M. I don't know if H&M makes belts, sells belts. I don't think it would have been an H&M belt because the, the lettering is different than what their logo is. Okay. Um, but that's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know some stuff about clothes. Yeah. I know, like, um, stores in the mall. <laughs> so they believe that this belt belonged to, or was handled by, I should say, um, the suspect in the case. They do not believe that it was the belt of any of the victims. Right. Um, I don't believe they found any DNA evidence on it from any of the victims, but they do believe that it was handled by the perpetrator. Yeah, and I mean, as a general rule, the kind of belts that women wear look different than the kind of belts that men wear. I'm not saying, like, women can't wear men's belts. Right. They can, but it's unlikely. Yes. For the most part, you know a belt is a woman's if it's giant and it's sparkly. Yes. <sighs> so that was what they presented us with. They showed this picture of a belt. They told us that they believed that it was handled by the suspect. And that was really all that it was. They didn't tell us anything more about it. Um, they don't have any inkling of what the lettering could be, um, or at least they didn't tell us. They may have an inkling, but they didn't tell us. Personally, um, now we don't know exactly how the victims died because their remains were so decomposed that, you know, they, they really, they were dismembered though, so we can obviously assume they were murdered. But we can't tell how they were killed. We can't really tell um, if there was strangulation, if there was stabbing. Um, you know, on the bones, you can sometimes tell if there's stabbing or if there's gunshot wounds, things like that. Bone will yep. show you that. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, they didn't say anything about that. So I'm going to go out on a limb here. This is my opinion only. This is not anything that I have found in research. I'm going to assume they were strangled to death. Right. My assumption is, again, my assumption is that this belt may have been the murder weapon. Yeah, could be. Potentially. Right. I, I don't know, but maybe the perpetrator used the belt to strangle these women, because that happens a lot. Right, because we don't, we don't really have detailed evidence about the results of the autopsy, right? So we don't know for sure if there were or were not ligature marks. Well, their their bodies were so decomposed, they, they couldn't even, even yeah, yeah, they, right. they couldn't, I mean, I, I'm i pretty sure the majority of them were just bones. They were just skeletoni skeletonized oh, remains. You're right, actually, yeah. Because the it was so were just long after. So, yeah, you, they, yeah, the bones would show absolutely no sign of strangulation. No sign of strangulation, exactly. They would show, usually, stabbings. They would yeah. definitely show gunshot wounds. Right. They wouldn't show strangulation. Right. Um. So... Unless there's something that, you know, um, unless they're showing, like, the hyoid and things like that, where they're... Unless you break the bones. Right. right. Exactly. So, it's all speculation, really, for us. Um, you know, the medical examiner may have their official ruling, or they may not. They may not have even been able to... Um, my time there, I have no idea. I didn't even discuss this case um, with the Emmy when I was there. Um, so I, I honestly don't even know if they came to an actual ruling of what could have been the cause of death for all of these, uh, victims. But again, I'm going to go out on a limb and assume that it was probably strangulation. Mm -hmm. That's the most likely 
circumstance. Right. I personally believe. Right. So that was our first piece of update. And that was probably, you know, the biggest thing that we had gotten out of this whole thing. Because, again, that was 10 years since this 911 call from Shannon. And so we were really, like I said, on the edge of our seats about this. But since then, we've gotten more updates and better updates for the, this investigation. Shannon's 911 call had never been released to the public. It had never been released to anybody. The police held on to it this whole time and were refusing to release it. The family of Shannon Gilbert does not believe that her death was accidental. They truly believe that she was murdered. So they hired an attorney and they have been trying to fight to get this 911 call released because they want to know what's even on it. This attorney fought for years with the New York State legal system trying to get subpoenas so that he can get this recording released to him. Finally, the New York State courts awarded him with the release of this 911 call. Though this will not be released to the public, it's only released to the attorney. However, he has given interviews with a few different magazines and newspapers. He can't divulge the details of what's on that. He's under specific court order, but he has given a little information about it, which is what this up this update that I'm talking about right now is, is going to be about. So this is what we know from attorney John Ray's interview with Oxygen.com. There had been reports circulating that Shannon's 911 call lasted 22 or 23 minutes. But John Ray says that isn't at all accurate. Really? Yes. Huh. We had been told this entire time that this phone call lasted that long, that she was running this entire time, knocking on door, knocking on door, right. knocking on door, screaming for 23 minutes. Right. He says that's not accurate. Okay. What is he saying is the case? We don't know. He can't divulge more information. He can't tell us how long the tape actually is. So we don't know if it's longer. That's interesting that he can tell us what it's not, but can't tell us what it is. Right. We don't know <laughs> if it's longer than 23 minutes. We don't know if it's shorter than 23 minutes. Because that's like a huge... That's a... That's a huge piece of huge information. Huge I mean, piece of information. if it's significantly shorter, then that goes one way with the case. Right. Like, distinctly in that one direction. But if it's significantly longer, then it just kind of ex it just kind of goes more to supporting what we're all pretty much assuming was, yes. was going on. Yes. Hmm. Right. He also says that Shannon's reference of being near Jones Beach was, quote, misleading. So the police had said that she said on the tape that she was near somewhere like Jones Beach. Okay. But he says that that is actually misleading. So again, he can't go into detail. So right. we don't know 100% what that means, but... 
Did she think she was at Jones Beach? At Jones, but she was really... But she was really at, at Oak? Gil- yeah. Or, or Gilgo, Oak right. She was Gilgo. at Oak Beach that night. Yeah. Right. Did she go to the wrong place? Right. Right. Did this person who called her um, to work that night tell her... Tell her the wrong place. The wrong place. Did she stumble onto something... That, wow, that's another really big deal. Right? Because she could have been, she could have stumbled into the middle of something and thought, you know, oh, these are just my clients for the night. Yeah. You know, um, she probably dealt with some shady people sometimes, so she just figured, okay, here's my guys. Yeah. I'm just going to walk up to them. And there were. There's so wow. many, there's so that many more questions now. <laughs> Jeez. It, it's, yeah. And. So this is what I think is the most important piece that came from um, this interview that the attorney gave to Oxygen. So Suffolk homicide detective Vincent Steffen asserted that Shannon's demeanor on the call was, quote, calm and that she was not about to be murdered. I know. Um. (laughs) He claimed male voices were in the background and they are also calm sounding. He said, quote, at no time was she desperate. Okay. Now, what bothers me a lot about that is this whole time we're told that she's screaming that people are trying to kill her. Right. And that's what I was going to say is if we know for a fact that they're trying to kill me is a direct quote, then I don't care how calmly someone says it. That's desperation by definition. And if she's (laughs) running frantically and you're hearing male voices, does that mean they're chasing her? Right. Or is it just that because she was knocking on neighbors' doors, these neighbors are coming out saying, what's going on? Can I help you? And those are the male voices. Right. And if she's running, if you can tell she's running, she's running that hard. That's what they claim. And you can hear the other voices. Mm -hmm. Then those other voices either are yelling or she's on a treadmill. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Which we can be pretty sure she wasn't on a treadmill. That means that the male voices were yelling. Yeah. And that's not calm. That's the opposite of calm. That's the opposite of calm. (laughs) But John Ray says that now that he has listened to the tape, he can say that Stefan's assertions are false. But what does that mean? False how? Which parts? Was she not calm? Were there not male voices? Did she sound desperate? Right. Furthermore, the Suffolk PD had been ordered to hand over the transcripts of the 911 call as well and skirted around the issue. It has now come out that transcripts were never made. They had claimed they had transcripts of the 911 call this entire time. So the attorney was trying to get those while he was trying to get the release of the tape. And they were like, oh, no, we'll, we can't give it to you right now. Or we, uh, you know, they circled with this whole thing and finally admitted that transcripts were never actually made of this 911 call. That, wow. But, uh, that's like pretty much the only evidence we have. Yes. This is the fact that we've been going based on what these transcripts say. Yeah. So there are no transcripts. So apparently there are no transcripts. So we don't know any of the things she said. No. We don't know if she said the words, they're trying to kill me because those come from the transcripts, which apparently are not Are not in, yeah. That sounds like bull stuff. I know. Because, no. No, there are transcripts, they're lying. They might very well be. be. You don't go this whole time using these transcripts as such a key piece of evidence in an investigation... A murder investigation, possibly. 
when they're right. Like, so now, it's not like it's not like they were saying, "Oh, we're doing all this work because there are no transcripts," and then later they say, "Okay, well there are." Because yeah, you can pursue a case saying, "Oh, we don't have any of this other evidence," and then, "Well, we actually do. We just didn't consider it." But you can't go for ten years investigating a case based on transcripts that don't exist. Mm-hmm. Then that means you've been lying for ten years, mm-hmm. and it means that the case has been fundament the investigation has been fundamentally flawed for ten years. Mm-hmm. That's not the case. There are transcripts. That is a lie, and that's a big deal. It's a huge deal. <laughs> this whole thing is a huge deal because there was so much talk back in the day that this may have been a cover up because the perpetrator may have been a police officer. Right, or connected. Or connected in some way. There was a lot of evidence showing that it could have actually been a police officer. But then, yes, it came out that it could have been somebody connected to the PD and just a, a, a friend of whatever. So there was a lot of talk that there was there was there there were cover-ups happening. I mean, our former police commissioner, like, went to jail because of, like, other things that he had done from other um, investigations. He was a shady guy. There were a lot of things that they were um, not presenting to the public that they should have presented to the public. There were a lot of things that they were trying to hide from the public about this case. There were there was a lot of time spent ignoring this case. I I don't know if it was someone who was connected in some way to the PD, but I just I feel like they were hiding something and were really trying to take the focus off of themselves. Right. And I mean, it could be the fact that, you know, because again, this, this case is, is pretty old at this point. Yeah. They could have just been operating this whole, all these years under the assumption that this was just going to get swept under the rug. And now because of how much media attention it's getting, you're welcome. Um, <laughs> all of a sudden people, they're now feeling pressure. Yeah. And they're like, oh, we got to dispose of this evidence because this is serious evidence. Yeah. You know, that transcript could be like, we don't know what's in it. Right. You know, it could be, it could be damning evidence and now they're like oh it's not there right and like that's such an obvious lie too like you don't you know again you don't you don't operate under the assumption that there's a core piece of evidence in the investigation for 10 years when the piece of evidence isn't there so we know the pieces of evidence piece of evidence is there we know they're lying and then we know they're lying to get rid of a key piece of evidence Mm -hmm. that literally screams cover-up by saying there's no transcript you're basically saying we're covering some shit up right and, and now this attorney has the tape, so he can hear what's happening. Yeah. He doesn't have the transcript. He can't read what's happening, obviously. So he has to interpret it based on just what he's hearing. But what is he going to do with it? What can right. he do with it? You know what I mean? Like, just because he has it doesn't mean he can bring charges against anybody. It, it doesn't... It, it, and what does that say about the police that now they don't have this tra- they don't have this transcript and I put that in quotes they don't have this transcript that you know he's not allowed to even talk to the media or the public or probably even the family to be honest with you about what's yeah. on that tape because it's it's technically an active investigation so the police are like so. great even though he can listen to the tape he can't tell anybody what's on it right right it's and like a gag order yeah exactly so the police are still covered Right, and it's and it's much more difficult. The difference between having a tape and having a transcript is it's easy for me if I want to, you know, skirt the rules to just quickly snap a picture on my phone of the transcript. Right, to and, leak and, the transcript Right, out. and mm-hmm. leak that. But yes. it's way more difficult to leak an hour-long recording. Yes. Yeah. So. Yeah. 
Jeez. I know. I mean, there are much subtle, much more subtle ways to do this. You know, oh, the transcript. We, there are transcripts, but in reality, there's not much in there. Or, oh, there were transcripts, but uh, that building burned down. Or there were transcripts, but they got COVID-19. And that's kind of, like... And that's kind of what they were saying originally to him. Like, oh, yeah, the transcripts, we have them. We'll get them to you when our administrator isn't sick anymore. Right. Whatever the case is. And right. now all of a sudden it's, oh, well, we never they actually never made them. never existed in the first place. Yeah. Like, that's a lie. And it's an obvious lie. Yeah. So now, like, Jeez. does the attorney go back to court right. and demand that there be um, a search <laughs> on right. their um, their computers? And the, mo- the longer like, this goes and the colder this gets, the more likely a judge is to be like, you know, or a DA is to be like, you know what? We don't have the resources for this, and this we you know we've got murders that happened last week. We don't yeah. need to worry about one that happened ten years. It's probably not a murder. Forget it. Yeah, and they haven't found any other any new you know body parts recently, so they're probably like, oh well, he's long gone. He's done. He's done killing people. So right. what, what's it to us it. now? Right. right. Yeah. So that's huge. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I wish we could know more. Yeah. I wish we could know more. Like, even just if we could just know the length of the phone call. Too. Yes. Like, yes. that would be such a big deal in either direction. Yes. I know. You know, if it was five minutes, that would turn everything on its head. If it was an hour and a half, you know, yeah. I mean. My biggest gripe, too, with the, lo- the length of it is, you know, depending on the length of it, they should have been able to ping her phone and figure out where she was located because they mm-hmm. claimed that she didn't know where she was and that she couldn't tell them where she was. And that's what took them so long going to find her, which is that whole Jones beach thing. Oh, I'm at Jones beach. Yeah. Because which, which for anyone who doesn't know Jones beach and Oak beach are, um, miles apart. They're in completely different counties. Right. Um, they are both along ocean parkway, but they're they're. I mean, what would you say? Probably 20 miles apart. Longer than you want to walk on the beach. Oh, oh, yeah, no, you wouldn't walk from. And, and way longer than you want to walk through the marsh. No, 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 no. no there's wouldn't. no way you would you would walk there. No, you uh, would drive, but they're they're far and even, apart. Even the drive is a good. It's a good half drive. Half hour. It's a good like half hour yeah. by car. Exactly. At fifty miles an hour. Exactly. <laughs> like, yeah. So, if the phone call was twenty three minutes, the police have. The technology to be able to find where a person is making the phone call from. That's literally one of the purposes of keeping people on a phone call that long. They always say, like, oh, stay on the line. After a couple of minutes, we're able to figure out your location. So she's on the phone with them for 23 minutes and they can't find her location. Yeah. That's a little And I was going to say, yeah, you, you made a really good point. Because if the call really was only five minutes, then yeah, that probably isn't enough time to, like get the bench warrant or whatever they have mm-hmm. to do and, like, call the phone company and do all that BS. At 23 minutes, that's probably enough time. That might technically be pushing it because there's, like, red tape and crap. No, they but don't... If it's... Yeah, they don't even have to call the phone company at that point. Okay. Because when they're on the phone with her, they can... They're supposed to be able to get the location right then. Uh-huh. Okay. They should be able to. They can do, like, that E911 GPS thing right there from the dispatcher. They're supposed they to be able to. to I mean, I'm, assu- okay. see, I'm assuming we have that technology here. <laughs> well, we for sure have we the technology. I'm just not sure what the legal red tape is. I don't think... I think in that... It, I think in that circumstance, 
they probably, um, they have probably are able to, especially like when they think that somebody is in, in imminent danger. Mortal danger. I yeah. feel like there was actually very, re like very recently, meaning in the last ten years, I feel like there was there was a piece of legislation, yeah, like relatively newly, right, regarding right. this. We'll look that up and put we, it in a future update. Yeah, we will for sure. <laughs> Or to um, post them in the comments. Or yeah, because I'm not 100% sure on the legality of <laughs> But either way, the it. point is, even at 23 minutes, that should be enough time yes. to do it. But if the call is an hour long, then There's that's no reason you shouldn't be able to find where they this woman is. They should absolutely, that dispatcher should be looking at a screen and it should be like, here she is. Yes. 100%. And so that's, that's why I... That's another reason why it's so important to really know want to know was. how long this phone call was. Yeah. Wow. Really, like, did the dispatcher <laughs> do his or her job? And even if the dispatcher did the job, that doesn't mean that we all know that information right away. They, did, they, they may have the dispatcher may have been looking at her location, and that information may have been available and and covered up. Because at this point, like I said, they're lying about a ten year old piece of evidence that it never somehow never existed. Yeah, that's true. Because maybe what's being covered up at this point. Maybe the dispatcher <laughs> found her her right. location and and called a, a uni to go. Right. And the uni was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna go take that," and they were like, right. "We're not taking that." Right, I'm and they going. may have taken their personal, their burner phone out and said, hey. And been like. We got a problem. We got, mm -hmm. Like, I know we're going a little far into I know, into we're, the, we're doing conspiracy theories now. But, but, I mean, when you're talking about 10-year-old pieces of evidence suddenly not existing, you got, that opens up a totally new realm. <laughs> Especially when there's such shady things happening yeah. with, the, with the PD. Like, yeah. I. It's yeah. just so. Like, on the beach in Suffolk County, New York. Like, yeah. stuff goes down. So. Yeah. <laughs> So, take what you will from that. Yeah. <laughs> As mentioned before, among the remains recovered at the scene where Shannon was ultimately found were the remains of Jane Doe number six. On April 4th, 2011, while searching the beaches along Ocean Parkway, the hands, head, and right foot of Jane Doe number six were found. Upon extracting and analyzing DNA from these remains, it was discovered that these remains were of the same person police had found 11 years earlier. Okay, so they recovered the... They recovered remains of the like same person. Like, majority remains, but they didn't have those, those extremities. Yep. And 11 years later, they found the extremities. Yep. And where were they proximally to the... So... Okay. <laughs> in 2000, police found the torso of a dismembered body in Manorville. They dubbed this person Manorville Jane Doe. When they found the remains on Gilgo, the DNA analysis concluded Manorville Jane Doe and Jane Doe number six were indeed the same person. Now, for reference, Manorville is about 45 miles from Gilgo. <laughs> One is north one is south and they are quite a ways away from one another in respect to all the towns that you have to get through in order to get from one to the other like right. you don't you don't sit there and go i'm gonna take a leisurely stroll from manorville to gilgo right like if you're going from manorville to south shore you're just you're going to like smith's point or something right or you're just gonna go out east to the right. hamptons right you're not you're not going to gilgo right so the fact that this person... Or you can go to any North Shore beach. There are tons of Oh, well, on yeah. I, mean, I just too. mean if you wanted to go to the South Shore. Because yeah. our beaches are quite different from North Shore to South Shore. Oh, yeah. So this person buried remains 
North Shore and then also remains South Shore. So this is someone who knows Long Island. This yeah. is not someone who's just passing through and is like, oh, this looks like a nice stretch to start like burying my dismembered bodies. This is someone who knows Long Island and knows the terrain and knows that this area in Manorville was like a secluded area, like within the woods kind of, and who knows that this area at Gilgo is also secluded and remote and that people are not going to be going there unless they really live there or they're going to like surf or something. This is someone who knows the area. Which again, I mean, could this be a police officer? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it's the theory, but they had a lot of suspects originally and they were all people who you know either lived on oak beach or lived on long island or you know had some sort of connection to these areas um none of them panned out i I don't really know what has come of that since and i don't know if there is dna on that belt that they found that they're able to um get a profile from a working profile from Mm -hmm. Even if there is DNA, it doesn't necessarily mean that there's a match in the system. They could have this profile and that, you know, they don't have anything to match up against it. So, you know, there's still a lot of unanswered questions. But as of two days ago from when we're actually recording this, the biggest news from the case was released. The identity of Jane Doe number six has been revealed using genealogical DNA. With help from the FBI, the Suffolk PD was able to develop a genealogical profile based on the DNA found from Jane Doe number six. This profile led police to investigate leads in New Jersey, where they believed Jane Doe had ties. Interviews were conducted with possible relatives and DNA samples were gathered and analyzed. After the evaluation of these new DNA samples, it was confirmed that the police positively identified Jane Doe number six slash Manorville Jane Doe as Valerie Mack. Valerie Mack was born July 2nd, 1976, and disappeared at the age of 24 from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, where she was providing sex work. She was never reported as a missing person. Family members report that their last known sighting of Valerie was in spring or summer of 2000 in Port Republic, New Jersey. Police found her torso in Manorville shortly after her last known sighting. And she is survived by her family. That's huge. Yeah. They've finally been able to identify one of these victims. And this is the first time in our state's history that we are using this technology. Really? Yes. And I believe it was last year that we were actually able to get the go-ahead to begin using this technology. Okay. Because this is the technology that's used that was used to find the Golden State Killer. Okay. So genealogical DNA is basically you find family lines. So, like what they did with the Golden State Killer, they had a DNA profile 
and they were able to look at um, genealogical websites where you can put your DNA in. Disclaimer for everybody, don't worry if you're on Ancestry or 23andMe, the police cannot <laughs> take your DNA from that website. They can't get any information. It is illegal. There are other specific websites like GEDmatch, so it's G-E-D match, where you can specifically upload your profile and then they can use that information. Um, so don't worry if you're on those other websites, they're not like coming after you. Your privacy is okay. So basically what they do is they go on, they get a DNA profile from there and they can see if the DNA profile that they have from their missing person or their unidentified person or the crime scene matches anybody on these websites by family, by a family line. Once they figure out that it matches whoever through family, they can then go to that person and get DNA samples of particular people. So in this case, they went to the family of Valerie and said, we believe that this might be your missing sister or daughter or whatever it is. Do you have anything that may have her DNA on it that we can test this against? They then say they still had a toothbrush. I mean, I don't know if you would keep a toothbrush after, you know, 20 years, but if it was something recent, say it was a toothbrush, they extract the DNA from that, they get a profile, it matches, then they know, okay, it is indeed this person that we thought it was. So genealogical DNA has only really started becoming the new way of DNA testing um, in the past couple of years. And again, that's how they found the Golden State Killer. So now a lot of jurisdictions are trying to get this to become the norm for them because it's incredibly vital now. This yeah. is a way that we're finding a lot, a lot of unidentified. Yeah, I mean, it's a huge amount of data in a technique which is exclusively data-driven. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. yeah. So, so it's the first time in, in our state's history that they've been able to use this. And it's hopefully going to be used for a lot more cases because this is an amazing piece of technology that we are now able to utilize in a lot of missing persons cases and a lot of, you know, maybe they could even use this to find out who the serial killer is right there. There's yeah. potential for that. So this was a huge, huge update. And we had heard that this was going to be happening. We, we knew that they had figured out the identity, but they weren't uh, releasing the information um, for a couple of days. It was actually over Memorial day weekend. So we were waiting to do this update episode until we found out the true identity of, of Jane Doe number six. And um, it is indeed Valerie Mack. So um, I will post her picture. I will also post the sketch that they had made of her. So you guys can see if, you know, their sketch was close-ish. <laughs> I personally don't think it was, but, <laughs> um, you know. Yeah. Also, if anyone has any information about Valerie or anything related to the case, um, or if you just want updates or more information about the case, you can go to www.gilgonews.com. They provide updates and a place for people to write in tips on the website. So 
I'm hopeful that this renewed interest in the case really brings about more things because that's three major updates in the first half of this year. And I really think that that's attributed to the fact that we now have a female commissioner. Um, I really don't think that, you know, the police force is always like a boys club. And I, I don't think that having the the former commissioner that we had um, was really all that great for the case. I'm sorry. I think before I said the commissioner was the one who went to jail. I think it was the police chief who went to jail, not the commissioner. I can't remember exactly. But either way, I, I don't think we really had people on the force who were that interested in solving this. Exactly. Yeah. I think now we have um, Commissioner Hart, who is a female. Um, she is former FBI. She was a uh, supervisory special agent. Cool. Um, and she was... She became commissioner, I believe, in 2018. So I, I, I believe that now with her as our new commissioner and having been a part of the FBI, I think that we really are going to get a lot more done with this case. Yeah, or at least it's going to be a fresh perspective. You know what I oh, mean? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's a reason that we elect a new president to the United States every four years. It's not that the country radically changes every four years. It's that you want a new a new perspective, a new direction, you know, just just to maybe, maybe see things from a little different perspective. Yeah. So, yeah, having the first, I would assume, uh, woman commissioner. I believe so, yeah ever is certainly going to at least provide a new a new yeah. set of eyes a new perspective yeah. on problems so yeah and um a huge thing that i read in a couple of articles um commissioner hart does not believe that shannon was killed accidentally mm -hmm. it, because of was was died accidentally right she does believe that she is part of this um serial killer mm-hmm investigation good well so at least that means so, that maybe some more resources will be put be. on getting some answers yes. i mean <laughs> these yes. are people that are dead now we should probably know why we should regardless you we know, should. it's crazy the amount of like cold cases the number of cold cases the amount of cold investigation you yeah. know that have been done that th these things all cost resources too mm -hmm. that you know five years ago 10 years ago 20 years ago whatever mm -hmm. the the state put resources into this which is our tax dollars yes and then said, eh, you know what, we're not going to figure it out. Right. Forget about it. Like, no, shouldn't we be working to figure this stuff out? Get all these answers. We should. You know, form new profiles. We <laughs> should. Yes. Um, one more thing I want to say before we uh, close for today is, um, if you guys remember in episode two, most of what I talked about, um, about those women was the fact that the media blasted them so much for being prostitutes and you know, escorts from Craigslist. And it wasn't really about who they were as people. It was about the salacious details. When the identity of Jane Doe number six was released, um, her face was every, everywhere. And it was the same picture across every newspaper article, but the headlines were, of course, different. And there were some headlines that were saying, you know, Gilgo victim Jane Doe number six has finally been identified. And then there were other newspaper articles, murdered prostitute, yep. finally identified. Of course. Why does she have to be labeled as prostitute? She was a person. Yep. 
because it's clickbait. If all you say is, hey, here's some here's some truth and justice in the world, 90% of people are going to be like, I'm not interested in truth and justice. Mm-hmm. But when you say prostitute, people are like, yeah. 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 That's interesting to me. Yeah. It's clickbait. It is. <laughs> so I just wanted to put that out there because that was something that I found to be extremely infuriating again. It's 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 not going to end. No. It's not going to end. And unfortunately, I believe that when they do find who the Long Island serial killer is, the headlines are going to be serial killer who murdered prostitutes yep. has been identified. Yep. It's not going to be a serial killer who murdered beautiful women right. <laughs> or who killed loving mothers. Right. It's, it's, they're going to throw in the prostitute. Yeah, of course. Of course. And, and again, I, I understand that that's an important thing because of victimology and it finds out if there were any connections between who these women were seeing as clients but that shouldn't be the headline. Yeah. That shouldn't be the headline. So if you or someone you know has a story you would like to share on Blackbird, please email us at blackbirdadvocacy at gmail.com. You can also DM us on Instagram and don't forget to follow us at Blackbird Advocacy. Um, I try to always be there to talk. So if anyone out there needs, you can always message us and hopefully I can respond to you. And also, we are currently holding an Instagram giveaway. And uh, you can win, win, like, really cool true crime stuff. It's free stuff. It is free stuff. Get you some. Yeah. And it's really easy to to enter. So you just follow three simple steps, and you'll be entered to win um, a tote bag, a mug, some stickers, and um, a shirt of your choosing. So one... Follow at Blackbird Advocacy on Instagram, which I know most of you are anyway. So great. You already did step one. Step two, write us a review on any podcast platform that we are a part of. Um, But I have recently found out that Spotify does not allow reviews. And I don't understand why. This is a big thing in the Spotify community for podcasters who are like, why don't you have reviews on your platform? We kind of need reviews. So bizarre, especially because Spotify is trying to become like iTunes competitor. Yeah. And, and like, for small people like us, it's not that big a deal. But for people who, like, this is their living, yeah. like, they get sponsorships based on yeah. the number of positive reviews and stuff like that. So how do you not? It's <laughs> so weird. Um, but we're also on Google, um, though some of our episodes, for some reason, are not showing up on Google. So maybe don't do it there. Um, but we're also on iTunes, Stitcher, Pocket Casts, and Blueberry. And uh, most of our reviews have been coming in on iTunes so far. So iTunes is, is a is a place to go, and I really don't want to tell Apple, but they're the ones who are working right now, so thanks, thanks iTunes. Uh, we're in the process of getting on to iHeartRadio also, so hopefully soon um, we'll be up there and you can give us reviews there. But for the time being, any of those places that I just mentioned, you can go and review us, and that's number two. Give us a review. And then number three is once you review, take a screenshot and post it on Instagram with the hashtag Blackbird Giveaway. And make sure that you do number three because that's the only way that we can figure out who's actually trying to enter this contest right. to win. Right. Um, and because there are so many platforms that you can give reviews on, it's difficult to see like where everybody is. Right. If you all bring it together on Instagram and 
take that screenshot and hashtag Blackbird giveaway, then we'll have everything in one place and we'll be able to do our thing right there. And we will um, announce the winner when we reach 1,500 followers. So invite your friends and family to enter and listen. So once we're up to 1,500, um, we will select a winner and they'll get all those fun goodies. So as always, stay safe, be aware of your surroundings, and where necessary, continue to social distance if you can. Yeah, go change the spark plugs on your boat. You know it needs them. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>